Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. This is, uh, we're into the fourth year of this now, Russ. And Russ, I know we're on an audio podcast, but I don't see your your smiling face. All I see is a picture. Um, of course, well, one of your better pictures. We can fix that. I should, I should be uh, alive. Let me there go you here. are. There you are. So uh, yeah. I'm traveling today. I'm at, a, I'm at a hotel in Orlando with some. Uh, we have a live audience here, and so we're going to be uh, watching with bated breath, and we'll come in with a few questions. We do have a little background noise, so I'm going to mute myself. It's probably a popular notion with some people, <laughs> but we'll mute our end so it'll be quieter. And Russ has got uh, some really good questions for uh, what I think is going to be an amazing interview today with, with uh, Jess. You know me, but I'm, I'm just getting acquainted with you, so I'm going I'm to pay attention. So, <laughs> it's great to have that happen where you meet somebody and they're a lot, they tell you all about you and how you think, yet you've never met them before because of the personality and the ways that we get to communicate. And so I totally understand being in that place. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So tell us about yourself and how come you're doing what you do, a little background, and then Russell will take it on and ask you some really, really interesting questions. That sounds great. All right. Well, I'm Jess Duell, and I founded Red Direction 14 years ago. It started out as something slightly different than what it became, and it became building frameworks for resilience. And what came up on the radio show that I host, which was live streamed right before we're live streaming here, we were talking about bounciness and the more struggle we face and the more that we fall down and the more risks that we're willing to take, we get bouncier. And I love the concept of that and how that fits into even businesses because businesses can get that concept of bounciness that pick ourselves up together and go forward together. And so the last seven years have really been dialed into what do we do for organizations that are growing and changing and they're in these critical points uh, of development and their leadership got them so far, their skills got them so far, and now um, it's time to infuse them with more with more, turn them upside down, look at them different ways to really maximize the workflow and the learning and the experience that already exists to go forward with grace and determination and whatever words you're describing about your companies. That's what, that's what we do over here at Red Direction. That's all about establishing a great culture and, and uh, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of things that go into culture. So. For audience, what does culture mean to you in the sense that it applies to organizations? Well, you could look it up on the internet, right? You could look it up on the internet, internet and get the definition that, that Google or whatever your browser is will tell you. And, you know, I define culture as how we work together and the strength in with which we are able to work together and its effectiveness. Okay. Yeah, what are some elements of culture that that make organizations successful? Organizations, what makes an organization successful? And I'm getting cues that your volume, Russ, is not as high um, as 
our audience would like. So since I got that message, I'm going to pass it on to you right here. And okay. will you repeat the question? What are some of the elements that uh, go into culture that make an organization successful? Are you ready for this? I are, you really, are you really ready for this, Russ? Bring it on. People, people, <laughs> people, people. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a few more P's and we'll just replace them with people and people and people more, right? right. Really, it's the culture. It's, it's what do we look at? How do we react? And do preferably, how do we respond? And then, of course, how are the other people that we're surrounding ourselves doing those things? And an awareness uh, of the fact that we play off of each other. What, what do you find, because you work with a lot of organizations of all types, what do you find are the biggest disconnects in organizations that have problems culturally? Are you ready? I am ready. People, 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 people. <laughs> <laughs> so really, it's, we think we're doing one thing and we're being perceived as something different, right? There's a break in our communication. We think that um, somebody else is doing something, but we never actually ask the clarifying question or just even if, some people would go, I have a dumb question. And you know what? The dumb question that's unasked just leads to bigger misunderstanding. So might as well ask it and get rid of the qualifier at the same time. I have a question. Did I understand this right? Um, and so when we're thinking about culture and we're thinking about how we work together as a team, we all have different reasons for being in the roles that we're at. And we choose to come, we, you know, I, a wise man once told me, the people who work here choose with their own two feet every single day to come to work for us. And I thought that was really a fabulous thing and, and understanding that everybody has a different reason for being here to working together. And yes, we've all agreed to this goal. However, if we haven't created some sort of an awareness of how all of us fit into that end goal, we end up getting bumps and scratches and slowdowns and stalls and U-turns uh, also. You know, let's, let's look at that term rules. And my good friend, Dr. Hal Dibner, uh, talked with me the last time I saw him. We were we were actually talking about rules at a at a move people to action event, and there are a lot of internal rules that that each of us has that kind of shapes the way that we approach things and the way that we live. And I think these rules can become internalized in a culture with an organization. So. What are some rules that, that, that you've seen have become part of the culture and organizations that have hindered your progress? Ah, I call those elephants in the room. <laughs> the big elephants in the room. And one of the things that Red Directions programs are really good at is finding the elephants in the room, pointing them out, setting up a little station and inviting everybody to ride them. Okay. Break them. Break, just being aware of what elephants are in the room. So, and another word might be unwritten agreements. We've done it this way. It's worked all right. So this is the way that we do it. And um, whether that's the case or we're avoiding something, the elephants in the room, either way, when, um, when left unexplored, 
it can cause so many big problems. I've seen, uh, I've been part of companies, a company that has imploded because of that. But I've also seen companies really, um, unfortunately, breed distrust and really feel fear around, am I actually safe in my role? because of the unwritten agreements and the insecurities and the unknowns that they cause. And all that gets in the way of decision-making, which really when we're in business, that's the ultimate goal, make decisions and nonprofit or otherwise, make decisions, move toward an objective, make decisions, move toward an objective, hit those goals and those signposts along the way. You know, I, I think that the way people view their work really impacts the culture and when organizations get stuck, you know, my experience is that a lot of people don't really like to be told what's wrong. Uh, at, at, <laughs> what, at, at what point uh, do you find that organizations have hit a place where they're just willing to have those hard conversations? How much does it generally take in your experience for somebody to reach that point? You know, it really varies. Usually, I mean, there's some other out there's some, I've witnessed some other outlying symptoms, if you will. So if we were to look at symptoms that you're on the way down that roller coaster and you're not sure if there's a, there's an up at the other side is that, um, everybody's tired mm. and when that, and everybody's behind, they are unable to keep up with the things that they have going on with the commitments that they have made and it becomes a drag and those are the types of things that allow us to miss other cues and we're turned off from actually using our external perception and it's only stuck inside here and so anytime we have something where uh, and it can manifest other ways too besides the i'm stuck or i'm overwhelmed or i can't meet my deadlines people leave i'm burnt out People leave. This is not what I thought it was going to be. People leave. Uh, and then they are talking about how their, their experience and they don't talk about their experience until they leave and nobody inside knew because there was a gap between each of the people. And there was, there was a seemingly, so quote unquote, seeming, seemingly to have a connection, but it was actually missing or it had been broken. You know, a lot of our work focuses around leaders and how leaders interact and, and work with people. And a common problem is leaders that overfunction. function. Uh, yes. they, they take on a lot of things rather than, than train people. They, you know, they find that it's quicker to just do it myself than to explain to someone how to do it. Uh, sometimes there's a fear of, letting go of some uh, control and trusting people to do it. But when you bring people onto your team, you hire people because they have skills, knowledge, and abilities that are going to serve you. Uh, they've got talent. Uh, and letting people actually do what it is that they do is, is a little difficult for leaders. And so that can get ground into a culture. That creates burnout because you have a few high performers that don't necessarily make uh, better leaders and they're just trying to do things instead of spreading the wealth and delegating and building uh, the leadership skills of other people. So we see that in nonprofits. Are you seeing that uh, with, with? In every organization. Business? 
yeah. every organization is susceptible, susceptible to that. And it's interesting because yes, we hire for skills, knowledge, and ability. Most of the time in most processes for bringing people on, what's left out or what is not, doesn't have enough focus in that interview and onboarding process is what we mean when we say whatever we value. So if service to a specific group, um, you know, serving a uh, an underrepresented group in some way, let's just say that, if somebody comes on and they have the skills, the knowledge and the ability, but they're only using this as a stepping stone, it's, and they're exactly what you want for the job, part of the conversation becomes, so we know that this is just a stepping stone on your path. So are you able to buy in? What do you like? Where are we disconnected on what we're doing while you're here? And do you understand with where you're going, how this actually helps you get there? And you know what? A lot of people don't want to face the fact that they're hiring somebody that's going to leave. However, if we bring it up in the conversation and we're talking about this and it's part of what we believe in, we know, we know we're not going to do what we're doing forever. We know we haven't done what we're doing forever. We've all had different experiences in the past. So why not just put that on the table? And then it's never a surprise. And then it's, so your performance reviews, your check-ins along the way, the conversations that we're having before and after and during meetings can still revolve around what are we doing in this organization? What is our mission and what is each of our parts in that while we're here? Because that type of collaboration is what's going to make somebody want to stay, but also it will prepare them to get them to where they want to go. And as leaders, as employers, anybody with staff, it is our job to embrace and to love and get that person where they want to go because maybe this is the place, maybe it's not, but we can do really well for them, for us, for our community, for our donors, for the people that we serve, because of that small thing, having that type of a conversation up front. Well, it's all about hey, Russell. Growth. Russell, we're having trouble hearing you. Okay. Well, you Flowers. know, it's all about it's all about growth. That better? It's all about growth, and the conversation about values is important for both individuals and the organization to understand what it is that people want to get out of the relationship that you have. Mm -hmm. This is how you attract people to you, whether they're working for you or they're volunteering for you. They come to work as a staff member. They come to serve on your board. So it's having those congruent values that's going to drive the day. Mm -hmm. And the idea of growth is something that's fundamental to everything. And uh, To get better at what you do, you you increase that level of support that you get. So culturally with, with nonprofits, one of the things aside from the fact that uh, you have some leaders that may overfunction, uh, maybe they haven't thought through all of their processes or systems or how they can uh, actually get better at creating an experience because they're more effective and efficient at delivering their programs. Uh, talk a little bit about your experience around that and some of the things that you do to help people work around that. I wouldn't say work around. I'd say work with and strengthen. 
And the reason, really the reason is that we all have a strength. And when we can put a stake in the ground and go, this is what I stand for. So wherever I work, whoever I work with, I know what I stand for in general. That allows me to have a guidepost when I show up in an organization and when I'm working with other people. And if other people are floundering around and not sure, I can put on that lens. What's important to me? What's my purpose here? Maybe it's what's my purpose in this situation? Maybe not my life purpose, but in this situation, how can I bridge that gap? to move things forward. Those are the types of skills that we uh, develop, programs that we create. And the reason for that, the biggest reason for that is it, it's experience. Until we do it, we don't know if we're good at it. Until we do it, we don't know how to apply our personal strengths to the work that we're doing. And when we find our strength and can focus everything through that, it becomes easier as managers, as directors, to be able to find the strengths in others and be curious and be willing to try a few things here to be curious with others to find their strengths as well. Because when, and it, maybe it's a strength, a lot of people, you know what, a lot of people know that they can stand behind an idea. So in a nonprofit, I come to work for a nonprofit or I volunteer for a nonprofit or I give money to a nonprofit because I care about the idea that they're working on. But when it comes to actually doing the infrastructure, taking the action to make all that possible, you mentioned root values. So how do we bring our, how do we bring all of our skills together to get something done? But also you talked about processes and systems and processes and systems are great on paper. As soon as you add people to them, you add what they're thinking in that moment. You add what was their past. You add where their dreams are and you add what's on their mind right now in this situation, right. which may or may not be those things <laughs> that are most important to working, uh, working on an organization to develop it. And so processes and systems are really impacted by all of the things that we care about, all of the things that we face. And um, I, I'm all about efficient, efficient systems, efficient processes. However, when we stop, when we weave what we care about, how we do our work together here at this organization yes. yeah. allows us to then be able to have a deeper conversation, a quicker conversation, which improves efficiency in a whole different way than just pushing the levers of a process. How about a question from Florida? Yeah, Jess. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it on. Okay. Um, it's funny that we're talking about this today because uh, my name's Dana. Uh, I'm Dana Olivo, and I'm a business strategist. So I work with early stage micro companies, medium companies, SMBs is what we call them. And I work on those pro processes, the systems, and things like that. Um, but one of the things that was really fascinating to me, you were talking about um, communication styles and, and hiring and things like that and talking about skills um, and, and values and everything one of the things that a lot of companies don't take into consideration when hiring is the are the behavioral and cultural characteristics that are inbred in the the people that they're looking to hire and making sure that those cultural characteristics match the organization and so so therefore in order to do that what we've done is we've made, we're, we're trying to make a concerted effort to try and match those cultures to the people that they're trying to, or, or the, the behavioral characteristics to get a better understanding of their fit within the organization. Mm -hmm. May I ask you a question? Yes. So when you're thinking about that, um, that means an organization really has to know. 
the whole thing just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that means okay. an organization has to really know where they stand. They have to understand that what they're doing is already working. So do you find do you, that um, a company is going to need some other help and other work actually figuring out where they stand as an organization versus um, just being able to come in and put this on top of what already exists? Yes, I do find that um, part of the whole process is we have to make sure that they have that working system, that those working systems and methodologies in place, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but part of that process involves bringing the team on that's going to work with them, okay, yes. in order to do that. And if they don't, if they aren't centered around the same cultural values that the company has set, you know, in place, um, you're going to end up with, with a, a divided um, approach to these systems and methodologies. Does that make right. sense? It makes complete sense. And in fact, sometimes in an existing organization that is going back, they're going back and they're going, we're having this problem hiring the right people. We're having this problem keeping the people we want that have the skills in our roles. And when we get to that, you know, it's interesting because people are always like, well, it's, it's the it's the people that are, it's, it's the people, it's the talent that we're facing and they forget to look inward. And those would be the things where I'd be like, okay, so how strapped are you? Because you might be better off having somebody do some temp work just for a short period of time to stop, to take a step back and to evaluate some other things, right? Those are the elephants. You're talking about the elephants in the room right there, Dana, and um, being able to recognize what are we willing to incorporate right now for where we are? Because one of the things that I hear in, in work that like you and I do, people want me to come in and they think I can change everything. And the answer is no, mm -mm, I can't change anything. I can only facilitate and create a program to educate, to allow that change to occur within an organization. The other thing is that people think, and this all organizations, both profit and nonprofit, I get a lot of work from people who have just done a rebrand thinking that rebranding is actually going to solve the problems and we're just unclear about what we stand for. Well, you probably are unclear what you stand for, but the way you look and describe yourself doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a band-aid, isn't it? And, and so no, I love I love the fact that you're talking about this because we're all about education. And what I teach my people is you, you can't operate in a vacuum. You don't have all the answers. And you have to surround yourself with that team that's going to be able to help you reach those goals. And also you have to surround yourself with those people who are going to be able to be up front with you and say, look, you're off base. <laughs> I keep pointing with two different colored pens because these are the notes that I take. So anybody listening is going to be like, what is she talking about? I have two pens to take notes on every conversation that I have because there are things I want in one color and another color. And usually all my notes have been written on before with a third color. And so if I hold up pens at you, it just means I'm excited. <laughs> yes. All right. Nonetheless, I hear what you're saying and you're right. It is about education. And you said something that made me think about a program that we have, that we talk about think time. This is a combination of words that think and time might be heard in the same sentence, but these are squished together with no spaces. Capital T, think, capital T, time. This is something that we do at Red Direction. We create, we have a process. How do I, as the, the steward, of this mission that we're on, whether it's an entire organization, whether it's a business unit, whether it's my particular role, how do I, in the stewardship of my position, um, 
have time to actually allow all the chatter to get out because all that chatter has to get out to have new creative thoughts. More importantly, you know, think time, a lot of people are like, great. And I like a whole day. However, I don't use a whole day. I use a half day to get started four hours once a week for four hours, closing everything off. And here's how this system typically goes. I'm going to this. I train this. I'm going to give you all the steps. You guys can play with it as much as you want. And that is first is put it in the calendar, guard it fiercely four hours, one time a week. The first month, the first four, maybe the first eight are going to be, you're going to think they're useless. They're going to feel useless. All you want to do is catch up on email. All you want to do is clear up the clutter off your desk. All you want to do is return those phone calls. All you want to do is write out the report that needed to happen or think about the stuff for the reports. It takes some time, but after about, you know, eight, eight to 10 sessions of four hours, all of a sudden you sit down I remember this so clearly the first time I did this and I was like, this is going to work. This is so great. Is that you sit down and it's like, okay, I actually see the red direction vision. I actually see the actions that we're taking right now. And I can just experience what that looks like and have an idea of what problems we're facing right now, where we're doing really well. And then what are the things that we could be doing better or that we could be doing different? And when we have those things, when we have that space outside of our think time is when we go, so let's break it down into a problem. Do I have a problem here? What's that problem? Let's go through the four steps of problem solving and then we can go great. And then when we get to the options, right, we get to make a decision and being confident in a decision comes from not running around ragged, not thinking, or knowing we're never going to have all the information, no matter how much we think about it, but we spent the time up front to decide what the decision was, what the problem is we're going to solve. And we're actually evaluating the path, not just a solution. It's the path to betterment, the path to what we want next. And the more we get to do that. Okay. So that's that second piece. The more we get to do that, we get to practice those steps. The more confident we become in our decisions and we can make them quicker. We can evaluate and get rid of options that don't work right now because this, tell me, okay, tell me this, Dana, and whoever's sitting next to you, Dana and Russ, um, when you're sitting here and you're looking at all these problems, you're looking at all these things that are going on, and you're like, I don't know, I could choose any one of them. I don't know what this means. We have too many options. Well, you guys, does that happen to you occasionally, sometimes, all the time? Oh, yes. Even as a strategist, I find yeah. that I have to, you know, take a step back and, and decide, okay, which one do I need to focus on right now, first of all? Yeah. And secondly, you know, what is the, the fastest way to come into a solution? You know, and by taking that step back sometimes and evaluating what is my talent? What mm -hmm. is it's my talent that can help me come up with that solution? Okay. And then if I can't find the talent within me to provide a solution, then I have a, a, a resource of people mm -hmm. around me that I reach out to. And I'm not afraid to bring them in. You can't operate in a vacuum. You've said this, you know. Um, we, our, our, our capacity as an entrepreneur only extends just so far. That's right. You know? That's right. And, um, and this happens to be <laughs> Jose Belen here. And he has a new nonprofit that he is starting called Mission Zero. Great nonprofit. So we happen to be meeting Hugh here so he can get some tips and learn and stuff like that so he's kind of you have any questions for her um no it's actually um, been very informative um, 
we've been around for about um, six months. Mission Zero is an organization dedicated to ending veteran suicide. I was a part of the initial invasion into Iraq in 2003. And since I was honorably discharged in 2005, I've been uh, fighting severe PTSD and suicide um, for that time. And so every 80 minutes, there's a veteran somewhere in America committing suicide. So I took it upon, and my wife and I took it upon ourselves to do whatever we can to make a difference. And so Mission Zero is uh, hopefully one day going to zero out veteran suicide. So, you know, we appreciate any support and like-minded individuals. Uh, so we thank you guys. So, so they, they took the advice that you're giving and everything is, you know, they've been surrounding themselves with the people that can help them get this off the ground. You know, rather than trying to do it all themselves. And Jess, um, you probably know more about me than I know about you, but I'm I'm quite amazed at the, the, the synchronicity of what you're talking about. And I'm going to give it back to Russell. I, I hijacked his, his questioning here, but but you know, it's the the synchronicity and what you're talking about and what we teach at Center Vision. You know, this this whole culture piece is the core of transformational leadership and how we empower leaders. So thank you for. Uh, such a passion around this. Yes. Love it. <laughs> so Russell, if you talk a little at her, just remember the, the old, uh, old age and mental condition. I'm going to get it back to you. We almost escaped without that this week. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that one. That's kind of his default thing. I don't know why, because it's not true. But yeah, he likes it. He entertains himself with that story. <laughs> And so he's going to find out as he gets to spend more time around you and learn more about you, how remarkable you are. And we haven't known each other very long, but I love what you're doing. And what you're talking about is creating safe spaces and collaboration. You know, collaboration is something that I think people are slowly starting to get is a really important piece of everything that that we do. It, it's about people. Uh, I've just said, I had a mastermind this morning with other business leaders who were talking to me about helping me improve my business. And you know, it doesn't matter how many people you meet. A lot of times there's that little piece of us that kind of yeah, resists. And, and, and so talk to, how, talk to us a little bit about how you help business people, nonprofit leaders, uh, some of the tools that you use to help them face that inner resistance, because that's the one thing in organization, it's all about people. We've got this built-in resistance, and part of it is to change and some other things. Let's talk a little bit about how you equip people to deal with that inner resistance and, and uh, what they should look for. Hmm. Such a loaded question. There are like 212 ways, right? That's when water boils. 212 ways that we could start this conversation. <laughs> and I think ultimately the point is, is that water will boil. And so if we resist long enough, we have no choice. Just like water in a pan on a stove, it doesn't matter how long you leave it there, it will eventually reach 212 degrees and boil. And so I feel like when, so tools, so let's talk about tools. A lot of the tools that we teach are soft skills. And the reason we teach soft skills is because I could come up with a process just like all of the other processes out there. Some would be good and some would not be as good as the other ones that are out there. The thing is we all work differently. And when we all work differently and we're thinking about how we do what we do, 
we don't give ourselves grace. And so we resist our, we resist what our own strength is and how we work, right? I grew up, um, so we're going to go back and just use me as an example. I grew up every Sunday. There were three, there were five people in my family, three kids, two adults. And, um, every Sunday we would sit at the dining room table after dinner and we would look at the whole next week. And if it wasn't on the calendar, it did not happen. And it was the time to ask questions, get permission, do all of this stuff. So I grew up with this time management concept and I grew up with this concept of, okay, so we know who the decision maker is, the person who can drive. So if it doesn't fit in their calendar, can't work. So I have to make a really good case that my stuff gets to happen instead of my sister's. <laughs> okay. This happens in business. This same thing happens in business. We get together, whether we're using time management tools or not, it, it comes down to how, how persuasive are we? How passionate are we? Can we clearly communicate the beginning and the middle and the end of an idea to move it forward? And some people use time. So I'm really good at time and time blocking and think time is a part of that, but I'm also really adept. And the programs that we teach around soft skills is also energy management because we can only scale so much. We can only scale so much with one person. Each person can only scale so much. So the whole purpose of being in an organization is to be able to understand what is my purpose? How do I leverage my time? What is their purpose? How do we leverage their time? And have a good time doing it and enjoy being together. And you mentioned the word collaboration in there. And I think collaboration really fits in a lot of different ways here because we're talking about, um, and by the way, everybody who thinks collaboration, okay, we're gonna, I gotta totally like stop what I was gonna say and talk about collaboration. I have a bad taste in my mouth when somebody says collaboration because I remember when, and we all can do this. I remember a time I was on a collaborative cross-functional team and I did all the work. Now you know who in the, now you know you're a driver, you're gonna do what it takes, right? <laughs> so we have to let that go. Those of us who are like, feel that way. And other people are like, Ooh, collaboration. I just to get, I give ideas, give ideas, give ideas. And I don't have to do anything. Just let me be an idea machine. Well, that only works to a point too. And then there are the people who will take all that, who will take different kinds of action and throw in some of us would call kinks in the wheel, but they're actually trying to help make it better, right? They're poking holes in it. Can we get this to the point? We are uh, seamless that we have something that will stick that we can all agree on. And so those people are really necessary too. And when we embrace, not everybody does well, not everybody thinks well, and not everybody wants to, um, you know, wants to be the devil's advocate. Then we get to go, hey, we need everybody. <laughs> we can do this in a different way and we can have a conversation and collaboration starts with a conversation. What are we doing? What can our parts be? And how can we move this forward together? Jess, you've opened up a lot of topics. And, I know, uh, right? <laughs> you're, in, you're in here because Russell invited you. And, uh, you know, I have, to, I have to work hard so I can keep up with him. He's, he's a smart dude. What I'm, what I'm going to throw out here is I'd like to take a couple of these themes and come back around and dig into, you know, some of these themes a little deeper. Because you've got mm -hmm. a whole lot of stuff to uh, unpack here. And we're, we're coming to the end of our, our, we're coming to the top of the hour for this, this particular show. And I want to talk about uh, the, the sponsor moment here that, that makes it possible and then give you a chance to wrap, wrap uh, people's heads around some of the major themes that you want to leave us with. And then we'll let Russell uh, close this out. Does that sound good for you guys? So Russell's been, been really diligent in helping us pull this together today with uh, a whole lot of odds, techno technology and otherwise. 
So we're, we have sponsors because it helps us provide free resources to those who really can't, can't afford to pay high prices for content. So we make a lot of things available, one of which is uh, Nonprofit Performance Magazine. New issue hits the streets this week. It's about social media. And, you know, sometimes we don't know how to use it, so it works against us. Also, right now, we've launched the new online community for community builders. It's centervisionleadership.org. If you're on this and you're looking at our logo, you know how to spell Centervision. It's synergy and vision truncated, and it's the power of ensemble. So centervisionleadership.org. Join it. You can start for free, and you can collaborate with nonprofit leaders everywhere. And we've got a whole lot of really good stuff planned, but we need to get everybody in there. Centervisionleadership.org. That site was just launched by one of our sponsors, rockpapersimple.com. It's not just a pretty website. It's a functional platform for people to communicate. Rockpapersimple.com backs a front slash hue. And there's some special offers for people listening. So Jess... How would you like to wrap up this and leave, uh, what's the leaving, the profound thought you want to leave people with before Russ closes out this, this great session? All right, we just up the ante. The most profound thought you want to leave us with, Hugh. <laughs> so there's no low bars here, everybody. I've listened to a few of these in preparation for this conversation. And of course, I know Hugh, so, and I know Russ, and there's no going back. There's only forward. And I think that that's really a key piece of what culture and what we're talking about when we're talking about all these elements of culture is that we're always moving forward. We can embrace it. We can resist it. Either way, it's coming. And we can make it more fun. We can make it more effective. And we can serve more people when we get out of our own way and we recognize our own our, ourself and how we can show up and invite others to continue to join our party. Great stuff. And that is really important. I mean, any conversation with what's happening with anything that I touch has to start in the mirror because that's the X factor. That's the one thing that I can actually do something about. And the willingness to actually look at where we are as individuals energetically makes a big difference. We can find some compassion for ourselves in there and we can find it for other people and put ourselves in their shoes and say, how can we create an experience? How can we get to the larger goal? What are the things we need to put on the shelf to make this thing work the way it was built to work? And that's really sort of where it starts. So just as always, it's, it's been a, a pleasure. Dana, Hugh, all of our friends down at CEO Space that are there for the July Forum, wonderful organization. Being a part of that has changed my life. I have a contact uh, that can help with veteran suicide. It's actually somebody that has been in Texas shining a spotlight on it. And he his, his primary thing is to get their stories captured. So... We'll cycle back around and talk about that again. In the meantime, I'd like to thank all of our listeners out there who join us every week here at the Nonprofit Exchange. We've got a really good guest next week. He's going to be talking with you about conversations. He has an incredible tool 
that can help us look at the way we have conversations on a personal, professional level. You don't want to miss this because he's got a brilliant tool called Conversations. So join us next week for that. Hugh? Thank you, Russ. Thank you, Jess. It's been a great session. Thank you so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>